Welcome to the Powerless to Powerful Recovery podcast. This is the first episode. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms. The story of addiction and the road to recovery. I'm going to be sharing a lot of personal and intimate things. I'm going to speak honestly and openly. And I just want everyone to know the reason I'm able to do that today is because the past doesn't hold power over me anymore. I've been able to use it and utilize it to help others. My past has now became my greatest asset. And so that's ultimately the goal to utilize these things that I've done in the past to help others to hopefully for them to find recovery. And that's what it looks like for me today. So I hope if I could just reach one person and just even just one, then it'll be a success for me. I wanted to figure out where should I start this thing. And I think any type of recovery starts ultimately with the gift. And I see I say gift, the gift of pain and desperation. And what does that look like? You know, how many times has it been so painful where I wanted to stop? I I look back on that. I really think about what that's been like for me in my life. Why, when I got an aggravated DUI, why that wasn't enough? Why, when I've lost everything? Why, when my wife was pregnant and I was in in crossroads and she was pregnant, why wasn't that enough? Why wasn't the first prison sentence enough? Why wasn't when I got sentenced to eight years enough? Why were those things not enough? I really start to think about that. And when I reflect back on that, Those things were so painful, but the problem was, is I never initiated any true action. I never implemented a plan of recovery. I never made a connection to a higher power. Those things just weren't there. So what ended up happening was, is I got a little bit of relief, not recovery. So I want to just really touch base and we're going to take this journey together over a significant period of time. And what I really want just to start with, like I said today, is just a little bit of what that pain felt like for me and what it's like today. So when I think about this and the last bit of pain, and it's, it's been quite a few days now, I can feel that pain like it was yesterday. Anytime that I can look back on that last run that I was on and not feel that pain anymore, that's a very dangerous position for me to be in. But it's been, like I said, quite amount of time since the last time, and I could feel that pain like it was yesterday. And it's very important for me. That's why the newcomer is so important. But when I look back to this, you know, I got sober in prison um, and... I think back, and this starts for me really what I what it looks like for me is in 2017. Step one in the big book talks about reservations, talks about having a reservation. And I had a reservation this whole time. I didn't change anything while I was in there. I just was abstinent. And that's really what it looked like for me. I thought just if I worked out that everything was going to be okay. And that just wasn't the case. You know, I had a lot of different people around me. For anyone who's been to prison, you know what that environment could be like. It's a very dangerous situation. Some people have a real easy time in prison, um, not getting high. or and, and the reason for that is they haven't created an attachment with any of that type of thing while they're in. Uh, unfortunately, and fortunately for me, for the very beginning of the time, I hadn't created an attachment for it. So when I look back on what that reservation was, and the reservation was my wife and my daughter. And I always would say, you know, I would always pass on anything that, you know, could get me in trouble that where I would be able to lose my visits or any of those things that would bring any type of losses of privileges or any of those types of things. I would always say, no, absolutely. I would not happen. I'm not going to do it. But I would also say, but if my wife ever left or if I ever lost my visits, then it's on, you know, and that was that's exactly what happened. So I look back into 2017 and that's really where this journey really started to fill up with more pain. Because ultimately, I was filled with negative emotions, the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment. I mean, that's really what fuels my addiction, hating the way I feel. And drugs work. Don't think, don't feel, don't care. 
You know, so when I start to think about these negative emotions that have built up over these years, I had never done anything to treat them. And drugs were the solution. Drugs are not the problem. They're the solution. So when I look back to this time in 2017, I lost my visits. Uh, I had got a ticket in visitation with my wife. Um, I had kissed her in the middle of visitation along with some other things. We're not going to get into that. We're going to keep try to keep it PG. But the point is, is I lost my visits and that reservation came through. I felt like I had lost everything. She was everything to me. I didn't have the visits. I didn't have phone calls anymore. I thought I was going to lose her. It was just crushing. And I didn't have any other type of solution. But what I knew to do was, was fall back into old behaviors. And that's exactly what happened. So I start to look back and falling into a relapse and starting to fall into to the old behaviors, to the manifestations of my illness, to the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the acceptance through others. I start to look at those things and start to really understand, you know, what that was like for me. Now I can look back through the awareness I've gained and I could see this whole journey and what it really meant to me and how it got me here to this point. And it's such a powerful experience to be a part of. I'm truly grateful for everything that my life has bring to me. The past doesn't hold power over me. The promises have materialized in my life. But when I look back on 2017, I started to fall back in these old behaviors. I started to have a relapse. I started to do everything I said that I wasn't going to do, and I did it again. You know, and that's a very painful place to be in. Um, so I started to get, you know, I started to run up bills. I started to get high again. I started to gamble. I started to do all these things that I said that I would never do again. You know, ultimately, it led me back to the hole and I ended up being in the hole, you know, and, and so I think about this day and this this day will always forever ring true to me. I just got to the hole. Um, I had no TV. I had nothing. I was underweight. I was full of pain. I was emotional. My wife didn't want to talk to me anymore. My parents were done with me. Everybody, the, the gig was up. You know, I had finally ran out of no, no other options and I found myself in the hole. And it was very painful for me to really start to realize a couple realizations. You know, it's easy to stay in addiction when you're not really thinking about, um, you know, you start to believe some things that just aren't true. You start to believe some false beliefs. You know, I start to look at these things. And at this point, I couldn't run from it anymore. I couldn't hide from it anymore. I was emotional. I was hurting so bad. The pain was so great. And I started to think about some things. You know, I started to think about, you know, being in prison, you know, obviously we're not the, the upper echelon of society. We're the lowest of the lowest. And that's what the realization I had. Not only was I in prison in, 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 in the depths of it, but I'm now I am in the hole. I'm the lowest of the lowest. I broke every single rule you could possibly break of everything that I thought I stood for in prison. I had broke those rules. It was painful for me. Nobody wanted. I felt so alone. I was in the hole in Kingman, Arizona, sitting in the hole with no TV, just broken and beat down. You know, and so what ends up happening is I start to understand that I need to make some changes. I need to do something different. We could talk about spiritual experiences. We could talk about, you know, the difference between the educational variety, between the burning bush. We could talk about those things, but that's going to be another time. But what I really want to talk about is what it felt like. You know, I knew I was going to be on loss of privileges. I had just failed a UA. I knew they were going to take away my phones. And all I wanted to do was call my wife one more time and just tell her that I loved her. And that's all I really wanted to do. And anyone who's ever been in the hole knows what that's like. It could be really hard to get a phone call. For a week straight, I tried to get on the phone. I'm banging on the door. I'm talking to every cop as they walk by. I just want a phone call. Give me a phone call. Oh, and they keep giving me the runaround. Well, finally, I had enough and I snapped. I started banging on the door and banging on the door. And this went on for so long that finally they came to the door and they fi finally got their attention. And the attention I got from them wasn't a phone call. It was the riot team dressed up like Ninja Turtles. And I wasn't going to cuff up. 
what ends up happening is they end up rushing me into the cell and I got cell extracted and put in a restraint chair. And I remember sitting there with a spit mask on thinking, this is what my life's become. I couldn't believe it. I had a great childhood at every opportunity in life. I didn't come from a broken home. Everything was in place for me to be successful, yet I chose the other path and I couldn't understand why I would do it. Love is an action word and my action show that I hated my wife who stood by me through everything. I hated my daughter who I love more than anything else. I hated my mom and dad because that's what my actions had shown. And it just bothered me so much. After three hours in the restraint chair, when they brought me back to the hole and they dumped me on the ground, I just laid there and I cried. And in that moment, I knew I wanted to do something different. I knew I had to do something different. I knew this wasn't the person I wanted to be. I knew that I had to make a change, but I didn't know what that was. I just knew that I didn't want to feel the way I felt anymore. I spent three months in that hole. No TV, no books, no nothing. And it gave me an opportunity to really think and sit back and really look about what my actions have brought to me. You know, I'm 35 years old. I'm in the hole. I'm doing eight years in prison. I did three and a half years in prison. I have a daughter who was two when I came in. She's nine now. I have a wife who stood by me and loved me and been through everything and supported me and stuck up for me. I have a mother and father who've been through there through, through thick and thin, extended family, a godmother who wrote me every single day or excuse me, every single week. She wrote me for eight years, six years, nine months, every single week. And I started to understand that, man, I have the support system, but I can't do it for them. I got to do it for me. And that was the first time I decided I wanted to do something for myself. Having those that support system, that's motivation to get my feet moving every single day. What ends up happening is I end up getting moved back to North Unit where I was at. North Unit, I was running the muck over there. Anyone who knows me from there or knew me in my addiction there knows it wasn't pretty. And they ended up bringing me back there. I was excited to go back there because there were some familiar faces, but I wasn't too excited. I had some debt right? I had some conversations that needed to be had. I had some issues that needed to be resolved, but I was going back to somewhere that I had known. So ultimately I get back over there and what ends up happening is I end up running into a friend. His name's Josh S. Forever one of my best friends initiated this action for me. I had seen him and I said, man, I'm sorry how everything ended and I'm, I'm back and you know I'm sober right now and I don't know what to do. And I know I owe you some money. And he said, don't worry, brother. I know what it's like. You know, and he had found recovery right before I left. I've been gone for about five months at this point. So I end up coming back and I end up running to him and I end up speaking to him. And he says, look, brother, I want you to come to a meeting. I want you to check out a meeting. Check out Alcoholics Anonymous today. It's a nacho party. We're having nachos. They used to do this thing where they would have nachos um, every like four to five months to try to attract newcomers. And they'd have a meeting, a speaker. And then afterwards, we'd stay and we'd have some nachos. So I said, you know what? I'll do that for you. So I ended up going to the nacho meeting on the way there. I remember looking at him saying, you guys think you're real slick. You're going to give me for nachos and then I can't just eat nachos and never come back again. So, you know, you're going to give me for at least two meetings. But what happened was I'll never forget that moment. What happened was when I walked into that room, I seen some guys, Adam T, Josh S, obviously who I came with, Ronnie A. I mean, so many different guys that I had known in their addiction. When I walked in that room, the visual proof was there that there was something going on in this room because I remember those dudes. I remember what they were like and to see him now today, to see the smiles on the face, to see the, the way they held their head high, to see the things that they speak of, to see how physically fit they looked. It talks about that in the doctor's opinion, about visual proof, about the finest specimen of manhood one could ever wish to meet. It's by recognizing their features, but from there, all resemblance ending. And that's what that moment was like for me. And I stood in there and I sat down in this room and I said, hold up, there's something going on in here. And I sat there and I listened. 
And I sat there and I listened. I was so emotional. My eyes, my I had tears in my eyes. It was the pain was so great. Three months I was in the hole, and that pain was so so great. And I sat there and I listened to these guys, and I was in shock at what I had seen, the men that they had become. And there was a guy there who ended up becoming my sponsor. His name is Matt L. And I sat there and he sat was sitting there and he was speaking. It felt like he shared for thirty minutes probably about five minutes, but he looked me dead in my eye and I'm crying. I'm thinking I'm having a spiritual experience at this point. I don't know what's going on, but I feel something. I don't know what it is. I can't identify it, but it feels good for the first time I had a little bit of hope. So I went through that meeting and the next day I see Adam and I, I see him and I said, I don't know what happened in that meeting. Holy man, I, I need I need this. I want to get a sponsor. Who was that dude, Matt? I need to get in touch with him. He walked across the yard, Adam yelled at him. He came over and, and I got a sponsor. And it was kind of funny how it happened because I couldn't even really get all the words out to ask him to be my sponsor. I just started crying, man. The pain was so great. I could remember like it was yesterday. It's been a considerable amount of time and I could remember that pain and it, it, it hurt bad. But this time I didn't get a little bit of relief. I started to take action to actually get recovery. I started to work these steps and understand what that looked like. The second after the, the day after that meeting, I ended up getting a sponsor. I started to work these steps. I started to put in vigorous action. I started to attack these things with energy, intensity, and force. I was at every meeting five nights a week. Anything he told me to do, I did. He said, write this down. Be here. I was there. I was early. He said, redo 104. I was there. It was done the very next day. What's next? What do I got to do? He said, set boundaries. Carry your big book around. Go talk to this guy. Ask these questions. Read to this. Write this down. I was willing to do whatever it took. You know, we talk about the indispensable principles of the program, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. We talk about those things because without that, nothing can be accomplished. We can talk about what each step brought, the principles that are behind it. That's for another time and another place. What I'm really talking about is capitalizing on that pain, that misery, that just that, that hurt. You know, when I got to my first meeting, I crawled in there, man. I really, really did. And it felt so good to finally be around a bunch of guys who understood exactly what I was going through. So I got a sponsor. I started to work the steps. I showed up at every single meeting. I vigorously worked the steps. You know, I mean, I can't stress it enough with energy, intensity and force action. It's a program of action. And anyone who's known me for a long period of time knows that I speak on that all the time because I wish I could just pray away my addiction. I wish I could just lay in my bed and, and it would just go away. But that's not the case. I have to get up and I have to do something for it. Because what I have is a daily reprieve. A reprieve is a stay from execution. I have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. So every day I have to get up and maintain my spiritual condition. And what's that spiritual condition? Well, I identify it in step two. I make a decision in step three to put some footwork in. That decision in step three is a 50-50 relationship. I have to do the footwork on a day-to-day -day basis. and My higher power takes care of the outcome. So I started to work these steps, man. I started to get some results. I started to attack these things. I started to figure some things out. I surrendered in step one. I made a connection and came to believe in two. I put the footwork in in three. I figured out the severity of and the fatality of, of, of the resentments in four. I started to understand what self-reliance in my fears and what God's sufficiency looked like and how to handle my fears. I started to understand what, what relationships look like through a sex inventory. I started to understand how selfish I was. I got honest in five. I became willing in six to not let the past hold power over me anymore and remove the objectionable. I, made, I reaffirmed that decision in seven. I cleaned up my relationships in eight and nine. I decided to maintain what I had through 10, 11, and 12. 11, my awareness of my higher power and 12 of service. It became the greatest part of my life, the highlight of my life to be of service to others. 
And after that service and what that started to look like for me on the yard, I started to teach a drug class. I got an opportunity from one of the most special people in this world to me. Her name is Miss Franz. She gave me an opportunity to start teaching a drug class on the yard. I taught a drug class for a year and a half on the yard. It gave me a platform to help so many people. I sponsored 100 plus guys in this yard, on this yard. I was able to speak at orientation to every single newcomer about what recovery looked like. I don't have it all figured out, nor do I claim to. I've learned a couple things, but I suit up and I show up every single day. The gift of pain and desperation. I can't reiterate how much when I say gift of pain and desperation. But the moment I forget what that pain looked like is the moment I'm back in a dangerous place. The newcomer is so important for that. So when I look back on all these things, what led to me, I, I challenge you to think about that pain and desperation of your last run that you were on. Or if you're in the midst of your addiction right now, think about what that's like for you. Think about it. If you're feeling it and you're in the middle of it, it's time to capitalize on that, get them feet moving and ask for help and find a meeting or find a path of recovery. That's the most important thing because we can't do it alone. If I could have done this alone, I would have done it a long time ago, but the facts are is that I just can't do it. And if you can't remember what that pain was like, find a newcomer to work with or redouble your efforts. This is a forever thing. So I just wanted to really talk about that, what that pain and desperation looked like for me. Uh, you can find me on, on Facebook, Powerless to Powerful. You can find me on Instagram. I encourage you to continue following. This is the first post, the first episode. Through this journey we're going to take, uh, I'm going to be also having guests on here. I'm going to be interviewing some other guys that were a very important part of recovery, guys who are doing the deal, some all-stars. You got to hang with the winners. And I always ask people, you know, and you'll see people who continuously beat themselves on the head continuously, continuously, the insanity of the addiction. We start to look at these things. The guys who continuously in and out of prison, they come back and you say, what happened? They say, man, I don't know. I met this girl. Uh, I just went back to what I know. Things got overwhelmed. Well, if you want to do something different, you got to know something different. This is an opportunity to do those things, to learn something different, to find a better way of life. I'm not going to get into the blessings, to the gratitude that I have, how many times the promises have materialized in my life. But what I will tell you is that night, that day, that's that whole sense in Kingman, Arizona, that gift of pain and desperation, that was over three years ago. And I've continued to vigorously work this program. I'm continuing to carry the message. And I hope that just somebody listening to this will find a meeting close to them. So I encourage you guys to keep listening um, and uh, find me on my social media, continue to like my stuff, continue to share my uh, my content with others. And I look forward to, to you guys reaching out to me and continuing this journey with you guys. I hope everyone has a wonderful day and attitude of gratitude will solve everything.